Hello and welcome to the Home Assistant Podcast. My name is Rohan and I'm here with Phil. Hey, Phil. Hey, good morning. Good morning. And as we have got a guest as well. We've got Guy. How's it going, Guy? Yeah, good, Rohan. This episode is sponsored by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily access your Home Assistant instance remotely for a small monthly fee that supports the Home Assistant and ESP Home projects. Configuration is done by the user interface, so there's no fiddling with router settings, SSL certs, or YAML. Um, so if that broad Aussie accent wasn't uh, a giveaway enough, Guy, whereabouts in uh, <laughs> Down Under are you? Uh, Newcastle region. Nice one. All right. Um, so yeah, I always love a fellow Aussie on the podcast because I get to ask Australian-specific questions. Um, I think a lot of home automation <laughs> stuff is always Europe and US focused. So um, yeah, I think you reached out to us, what, in like... End of 21. Um, oh, wow. Was it that long ago? Forever ago. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's been that long. Um, yeah, you've been on the list for a while. Wow. So I'm glad to finally get you here. I, and your email, like there was already so much stuff in your email that you had sent to us. So I'm hoping you've got like a whole bunch more. Um, so, yeah, I'll throw it open to you. Um, do you want to just give us a bit of a rundown on where you started with your home business journey and, and home automation that led you here today, I guess? Yeah, so Home Assistant started back in like the late point eight days, I think. I yep. can't quite remember, but it's pretty okay. standard story. Raspberry Pi, you know, yeah, three running a couple of bits and pieces. I had some uh, Philips Hue and uh, um, Echo Dot, yeah, and a Xiaomi S fifty robot vacuum cleaner. And that was nice. the beginnings of my smart home automation. I had those before um, before I got into Home Assistant. Yeah. And then, and I still have that vacuum cleaner, actually. It's done like seven hectares worth of cleaning or something <laughs> silly. <laughs> and it's still going, like, wow. It's on um, its third battery. Yeah, that's um, awesome. But not long after that, we, um, we were... Uh, we were renting at the time. We moved into a new house and, you know, brand new build um, and kind of had grand plans for home automation everywhere. And I think the real kicker that actually got me into home um, into home assistant itself was a, an add-on by um, – oh, oh, I was supposed to get the fella's name, but he's a legend um, – <laughs> for an Actron Air, which is a like an Australian brand of air conditioner. And yeah, they've got yeah. this app, which is just really – terrible um yeah. and he's got this add-on that you know mimics a web server or whatever and um and means you get full local control of the air conditioner and it actually works and it's all through mqtt so it was like this really steep learning curve for me to go from you know a vacuum cleaner and an echo dot and yeah whatever else i had to like mqtt mm. and i'd set up a pie hole instance and trying to i don't even know what i did but Magic happened, and magic happened, <laughs> and yeah. Um, my actor on air air conditioner is now the first thing I see when I open up my app on my phone, and it's that's like, all you need. Yeah, that's it's just amazing. I think that's that funny. legend is uh, Mike McGuire. I just McGuire. found him yeah, on uh, yeah. on GitHub. So yeah. it's all in hacks. But how frustrating it is is like, is it when you get an app for like? An aircon, or even just, I think, like, even two years apps are like, they're supposed to be smart home devices, and the apps just suck, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I actually, 
not to kind of go into too much details with with Actron, but yeah, there's a fair bit of room for improvement there. And like this simple add-on from that you know that Mark's developed is is just amazing. And it it is like the whole the whole system is so simple. Australian like air conditioners in Australia are really 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 basic, and mm-hmm. um, and it works really well. But yeah, the two yeah yeah. It, I've got it's, some it's notes really- here for two year, and the two year app is. <laughs> um, it's, I've got a love hate relationship with it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I was going to say it's funny. It's funny what gets you into Home Assistant and stuff like that, right? It's like again, in this case, it's just a terrible app experience that you're just like, all right, well, how can I not deal with that app? So you yeah, know, and build even, a whole ecosystem around it now. Yeah. So even even before that started, I was I'd already been frustrated with um, having the Amazon app, the mm-hmm. Xiaomi app. And yep. the Philips Hue app that yeah. didn't, you know, they all kind of, they all work. The Philips Hue app was good. Um, they all kind of work, but they all, they don't work together. Like there's no ecosystem there. It is just individual apps just doing their own thing. So yeah. were you, yeah, were you running everything in silos? Like yep. here's Philips Hue running the lights over here. Um, the Amazon Echo would do music or I'm guessing whatever it wants to do over there. And that would just be like silo. There was no... No, there's no there's no interface yeah. at all, and then yeah. that slowly changed. And once, obviously, Home Assistant was the real kicker for it, um, and now they all they all speak to each other. The yep. vacuum cleaner, or I've got a second vacuum cleaner as well now. Um, they run Valitude. You spoke about it in the other uh, episode yeah, a few yeah. weeks ago. Um, they run yeah. that that that, uh, that whatever firmware it is um, for full local control. So I don't, I don't, there's no app. There's a web interface that I use every once in a while, but really I just push the go button. And how do you find that custom firmware just while we're on the vacuum cleaners? Because, yeah, I'd be interested to tell you your experience with it. How was was it hard flashing your vacuums to do it? How Um, are you finding the software limitations? I couldn't tell you how to flash it again. Um, I'd definitely Mm -hmm. need to Google it. It wasn't overly difficult, but it, I needed to, because I I didn't have the hardware that I needed. I can't quite remember, but I needed to set up a Raspberry Pi zero and then right. uh, connect it to my computer with a USB cable. Yep. To then run a script off it. Yeah, it was Seems, a little yeah. bit scary, like you know, yeah. flashing a six hundred dollar vacuum cleaner or whatever, whatever they're worth. But it um, yeah, it worked fine, and and I've I actually run one of them runs the Valetudo firmware, and one's runs Valetudo RE, which is a like a fork or a branch or whatever okay. you want to call. Yeah, um, okay. and I I didn't realise that they were different, and because <laughs> um, I I bought one. <laughs> This is my intelligence coming through. Magic happens I'd, again, right? I'd, I'd, like the original <laughs> one got flashed and then I bought another one for upstairs and yeah. I flashed it at a different time, like fast forward a few months. And yeah. um, and I just Googled something different and followed different instructions and flashed different firmware on it. So I haven't touched it there. I think there are a couple of revisions old now and I just haven't even bothered touching them. Yeah. yeah so I guess then, then you don't have to keep them like once they're working, you don't then go in and update with – New firmware or anything like that? The, don't find the need to. Like the the base brains of the the um, vacuum don't change. It's just some yep. of the you know the add-ons that they put on top of it. Um, probably my and just on that one of my favourite parts of it is at the end of a clean, you can actually set it to go to a spot. 
So downstairs, I just get it to go to park in front of the bin. So I'll get home and oh, the wow. vacuum cleaner sings cool. smack bang in front of the bin rather than being on its dock, forgotten about, you know, yep. with a week's worth of uh, vacuum cleaning in it, which is not very effective. Yeah. That's good. And do you get like local map control and everything? Like you see like a map of your house? Because I thought there were some limitations yeah. around that. Yeah, there's oh, – I don't know. There's there's definitely ways to do it. Um, I've tried and failed to yeah. get the map into Home Assistant. I just I, – honestly, I just don't bother. And in reality, like yeah. they, they – so they're actually set up to run um, – they get triggered – when either like myself and my wife leave the house or when, sorry, when we both leave the house mm, yeah. um, is what triggers them. So we never actually start them. It's really, really uncommon to actually start the vacuum cleaners. They just happen yeah. automatically. Yeah, that's great. So do you find that like, cause that's one of my, that's something I've been struggling with. Right. So um, I think in December I got finally a smart, vacuum, right. I got the D bot X one Omni or whatever. I don't know who names these things, but um, one of the things I've been doing is at first I had it, you know, every day at, I don't know, 1030 or something like that, start running the vacuum and, and do that. Right. So, and then it was like, okay, all right. I started at like 6 PM and then I moved it later and then later. And then I was like, okay, now it's getting into like when my wife was asleep. And then, so I've been wanting to do the, when you leave kind of thing, um, but I'm always worried because, again, some, something we do is we just leave stuff on the ground, right? And I say we, but it's not me. Uh, <laughs> and, but, but you know, I'm, I'm worried about, like, you know, clothes on the ground and stuff like that. And, and it does do a fairly good job avoiding a lot of that stuff. Um, in my head, I'm still like, okay, what happens if, you know, it's catching something and it's, like, dragging it somewhere, right? Because even though it rarely happens, it has happened before where it's, like, dragged a dragged a sweater like quarter way through the house some of that right so is that would you guys just typically well are you just more organized than we are (laughs) yeah it's uh, so there's kind of two parts to that question so there's like the the standard kind of cables and things that get caught up every time like they're just the house is set up so cables don't lay on the ground that can't get chewed up obviously there's that's always a bit of a run the gauntlet when guests come and stay and there's a you know there's a lead on the ground that happens every once in a while but yeah the wife's pretty good at tidying up the house before she leaves just making sure that you know the long stringy things are not on the ground um yeah but it's okay. every so often it picks up a kid's toy or a, the or you know a shoelace or something and it just it winds itself yeah. around until it detects that it's eaten something and stops yeah. Yeah. I've had that. Like sometimes my wife will leave like a, like yarn or something. Right. Like, and, and it's, it's actually pretty good at detecting it, except if it's just catching just the edge of it. Um, if it's like an opened up piece of yarn and then just done. Yeah. Right? If, yeah. This is like, these things are pretty basic on all the detection. They just wait until something, like, <laughs> wait until it gets wrapped around a brush that hard that it, starts to yeah. go out an overload or goes around the wheel that much that the it starts to go out an overload and just goes into fault. Yeah, yeah. I so, feel like this yeah, one's been a lot better than my old Roomba though. So I mean for what it's worth. But uh so with yours, because that's that's a uh because you said it, it is an older one, right? You guys you guys have had it forever. Hmm. Um 
So do you find that again, cause I'm guessing there's no like camera LIDAR or any of those things on. It's the, nah, it's got a LIDAR on it. So it, it does, does have do, a LIDAR. Okay. Yeah. LIDAR. Hang on. No, it doesn't. It's got a laser. I actually don't know what it does. It maps the room. Whatever. However, <laughs> okay, it maps okay. the room. It maps the room, not with the camera. Yeah. So, which and it is good with that. You can set it up to do like um, individual rooms, and the rooms are set up. But I don't have any yeah. interface with Home Assistant to, you know, clean the kitchen in the evenings or yeah. anything yeah. like that. It's you could do it. I could probably yell at the, the you know, Echo Dot on the wall saying clean the mm-hmm. kitchen and you could set that up but it's the the um benefit to bother ratio there is not quite there yeah, every yeah, soften it resets that. it resets the map every once in a while and renames all the rooms and you've got to start again oh that's fine really oh yeah it's i haven't quite worked it out i've managed to save a map now so every so often after just reload a map in oh, that's good yeah, yeah. So, can you automate that uh, <laughs> probably but again the uh the five hours it would take me to do that versus yeah, the yeah you know, at once every six months going in being like why is this vacuum cleaner doing something funny and it's <laughs> parked itself it goes and parks itself over like underneath the couch and thinks that it's at the bin That's and you're right. like, oh, something's wrong here I'll, I'll reload a map yeah. yeah, well, I think I've um, based on Rohan's like story of his robot vacuum and everyone talking about them, I finally got uh, the go ahead to look at getting a, a robot vacuum for our house. Now that you know we've got two kids, it's constantly messy. Um, so yeah, these experiences that you guys have had are definitely going to help it. I'm gonna, th- I think we've decided landed on the Robo Rock. I think the S8 is launching next month. Um, which is, uh, unfortunately, it's going to be cloud controlled. I don't think Velotudo is going to work on it. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna have to suck it up, but that's apparently, yeah, the reviews I've read, um, the robot rock is probably the top of the line when it comes to robot vacuums and I think yeah, every so often you got to admit defeat and use a cloud. Yeah. yeah that's it's, it. it's brutal. It's at least, at least that one is supposed to be better. I forget who it is. Somebody did uh, a review comparing, um, the D bot, the robot rock and, uh, the Roomba, combo of of the two uh two Roomba devices and the debot was the worst when it came to cloud uh reliance and then the roborock i think at least stored the maps locally maybe if i remember correctly something like that right so it's still it's not you're not you're not hosed if you uh if you lose internet and stuff i I just like the ability to say mop the kitchen at night or mop the kitchen after dinner right yeah yeah, because cheese goes everywhere, unfortunately, with a two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so you, so before I will move away from robot vacuums, but you said you've got two. So is that split-level house, like yeah, one upstairs, one downstairs? Yeah, just two-story two house. Just and you, you could, yeah, you could take one upstairs and downstairs, but for yep. yeah, just move on, get two. Yeah, fantastic. Um. Cool. So, yeah, I'm guessing. So, you're on, you started on the Raspberry Pi. Were you burning through the SD cards? No, nah, ne- ne- never went through an SD card with Home Assistant. Um, but it was about the time I had a Raspberry Pi 4, and you couldn't do SSD boots on the Raspberry Pi 4s at the time. Not all mm. you, you, maybe you could, but it wasn't very easy. I can't quite remember. Yeah. Um, and so, I hung on to this 3B Plus for 
ages and finally yeah. pulled the pulled the um trigger on a knuck. Um nice. and like instantly I was like, Oh, I wish I'd done this earlier. You know, just is so much faster. So 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 yeah. much faster. Um and then but then not long after that the SSD boot became available on the Raspberry Pi four. I was like, Oh I knew that was gonna happen. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's been running for um Oh, ages now. Yeah, like years. I I went through a bit of a um kind of bit of a hiccup there. I don't know what I was doing wrong, but I was flashing the image onto the um SSD wrong somehow. And so I ended up going in there installing Linux of some description and installing Home Assistant that way somehow and it just turned into this massive nightmare. Um, and then I had like a two-day escapade of, you know, being like, how do I get this yeah. into work? And I was just doing it. I don't know what I did wrong. It was something really basic because I've flashed a million SD cards with Raspberry Pi images and um, now just running, you know, HAOS, which mm-hmm. has been really yeah. reliable. Have backups, Thanks. you know, Go- the Google Drive backup. I've never had to call on it in anger and I run a Samba backup as well. There's an add-on that dumps a local backup every day. I only do yep, Google yeah. backups like once a week, I think. That's cool. Do you do you do the, because uh, I mean, Home Assistant introduced the backup feature uh, natively a while ago, right? Because before the Google backup and all that stuff had to be, those are additional add-ons, but uh, they they introduce it natively into Home Assistant where you can just click backup and do that. Do you do those or still? No, and it's a school? little bit of the, yeah, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And don't blame well, me. I think... I, I haven't tested it. That's the bit that always makes me nervous about backups. Mm. I haven't actually tested the Google Drive backup. But the fact that yeah. I've got Google Drive backups and local backups on the like on my on my NUC as well, plus yeah. dumping onto my NAS once a day, like I'm pretty confident um that my backups would be okay. In worst case scenario, it'd probably give me a good starting block to start again and actually have a naming convention and go about things slightly differently yeah and have your have your uh vacuum (laughs) rename the rooms to everything (laughs) it's supposed to be you know yeah or yeah hopefully i never have to go down that path but i still do i get some really odd i still get this odd error with decons so i used to have um i used to run decons for my zigbee network and I just didn't get along with it at all. And then ZHA was released um, and migrated that, you know, uh, the second release out, I think I migrated over to ZHA and, yeah. you know, I had much more success with that. But every I was, in my logs, I still get this decons error. So it's still stuck in my config somewhere. I don't know what it is. It's just this constant error in my log. That's hmm. annoying. Just, and and yeah. you've, you've like completely removed decons at this point? Yep. Yeah, nice. entirely gone, and it's still just has this random error. It doesn't like doesn't break anything. It just yeah exists. I've got just a, reminds a, you that it was there at some point. Yeah, there's a, there's a, I, would have, I remember <laughs> actually hearing like this is ages ago. One of your guests was talking about like you know making sure they don't get any errors in their logs, and I've got a few that are just these persistent errors, and one of them's from a vacuum cleaner. I, yeah. Some MQTT error, but it still works. And again, I'm like, oh, it's working. I'm not going to reflash the firmware on this thing to try and get rid of an error that's not causing any issues. I'll break yeah, everything. It. Yeah. As you said, admit defeat at some point, right? Oh, I, yeah, very definitely. 
I, I used to be that exact same way where I'm like, not one error. Now I'll still get through it. Like if I'm on like holidays or something, like if I'm on like vacation and just uh, sitting at home, something like that. And I'll be like, all right, let's try and fix some of these, but I'm not doing yeah. it anymore. I, I do get in there every once in a while and just check that nothing's, um, you know, nothing's causing any issues in the background that I haven't picked up on. Yeah. Um, but they're pretty rare. Usually if something breaks it, I'm usually aware of it fairly quickly. Not all the time, but. All right, let's get into the the fun stuff. Can you give me an overview on your your house tech stack for as of today? What what are you running in your house with? Is it Zigbee, Z-Wave? You've got yeah. What, how does your smart home layout sort of look? Um, Zigbee and Zigbee and Wi-Fi are it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no Z-Wave. I got rid of Z-Wave a long time ago. Um, I had a lot of dramas with it. And again, mm-hmm. as like Australian Z-Wave stuff is really expensive. It's it really is, limited. Yeah. Like I, I wanted to do it like a, everything about it was good and it just didn't stack up in the end. So yeah. Um, yeah. Zigbee running it, I think it's a combi stick, ZHA. It's been pretty much bulletproof. Um, I had a few issues with some, not to John, um, bag out any brands, but I had a couple of IKEA bulbs that uh, failed fairly catastrophically. Mm. Um, so I've tried to move away from IKEA bulbs and just run f- um, Philips Hue bulbs. Yep. Um, there's what have we got? Four lamp bulbs and then a stack of um, downlights as well. Nice. And then wi- on the Wi-Fi side of things, uh, I run a ubiquity network from like throughout the board four access points dotted throughout the house. I've got Wi-Fi galore. Um, yes. So I'm not too concerned about having things running on Wi-Fi. It'd be nice to have um, run a lot of um, Shelly ones mm-hmm. behind wall plates so to kind of smartify a switch without actually seeing a smart switch on the wall. Um, yeah. I run a lot of those and it'd be nice to do a Zigbee equivalent for those except there aren't very many options and they're expensive and it's yep. one of the things why bother when they work well. Yeah. yeah so a couple of questions. So one, um, Shelley, were you like concerned at all putting them behind your wall? Like I'm not sure if they're like up to a striking standard anymore. Yeah, they, they are now. Yeah. They are now. Yeah. So I, know where they first I initially out. started with um, Zigbee switches, like smart and Zigbee, mm. so Z-Wave switches yep. yeah. um, behind the wall. I started off, I think I had like four of them. And they caused just headaches. They were just super unreliable. Mm. Um, I didn't have a very good mesh at the time, but I thought it was good enough that the reliability wouldn't be there. And I yeah. waited and waited and waited and waited for the Shelly ones because I could see it on all the forums, everyone raving about them. Yeah, and I waited. Yeah. And as soon as they got Australian certification, bang, bought yeah, like nice. a stack of them, replaced them all, and then the Shelly – and then the – I don't know if it's called the Shelly 2, but like the two-switch version one came out in the dimmers and yeah. and I just, yeah. I'd, and do you use those with the Hue downlights as well? So like, because I'm yep. curious, like you've got Hue downlights. Um, if you just go up and switch it off as a dumb switch, like you kill power to the, the light bulb, which then loses the smarts of the Philips Hue. Have you got, are you using the Shelly to get around that? Like yeah. Someone yeah. yeah. That's that's their primary yeah. use is is... So yeah, the bulk of my Shelly ones do that. They um, they're set up as a detached switch. So mm-hmm. like in the bathrooms, I've got Philips Hue downlights and a yep. Shelly one in the wall. So on 
it'd be really nice to run ESP home and do it a bit fancier. I know some of the other people have a nice um, mm. bit of code there that does it a lot nicer than how I do it. But basically on first fire, they turn the output on and the output stays on forever then. And when the switch gets turned off, it just turns the, the Zigbee light off itself. Yep. Um, right. Which means that I can uh, run – so I run um, circadian lighting. Mm-hmm. The, nice. I think it's a hacks add-on. Um, mm-hmm. So I run those on all the bathroom lights. So if I go in there at you know, one in the morning, I can still turn the light on and it'll be at 1% yep, right. brightness and not blind me. Um, mm. That's literally what I use them for to make sure at night it's nice and dim. And also so yeah. when you walk into the room that you don't think it's a smart switch. Yep. That's like I'm, I'm really big on not seeing smart switches in the house. I um so I've got Fibaro Z Wave dimmers um on my switches. Um pretty rock solid. Um there is this, always the, the Z Wave sort of concerns. Like I've got to run Z Wave JS on a different server, um, range issues. I really love Z Wave for the recessed door sensors. Like I haven't been able to find a Zigbee equivalent door sensor that you can like drill into a door and have it completely hidden. It's always like the, the jammy ones that just stick out on the side. Um but yeah, I actually for my switches, um, I have got, went and got um, Clipsal Satin um, Zen, I think they're called, and they've got little icons um, at the button. So you know, for the bathroom, um, there's a little bathtub on the light switch, so you know, okay, this switch is actually going to turn on the lights at the bathroom. Um, but yeah, they're just simple like push buttons, right? Um, and what I really like about those is now I can do things like triple click a button or double click a button, and it'll then tell Home Assistant to do another action. Yeah. Um, so, like we're the scene controller too. Then, at that point. yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's nice. And like, that's really good. I really like having um, triple, you know, double click, tri- triple click, mm-hmm. hold, you know, functions. But I, um, I also try and set my house up that you know you don't have to have an instruction how to use <laughs> exactly. your house. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah, I've, yeah. I've got some um, little uh, like Zigbee. Macquarie push button things out in the garage that you yeah. know only I use, and so I'll have double click and hold set up on those to do different things. But yeah. beyond that, it's all just turn a dumb looking light switch on the wall on or turn it off. Yeah, yep. and that's what it, yeah all it needs to do, right? And should only there if I don't know. Do you use motion sensors to control the lights, or is it only no, switches? No, so I like we've got a security system here. I try to piggyback off the motion sensors and. I don't know what I did, but it broke something. Um, the security system still works, but the um, integration to get it into Home Assistant didn't. Um, yeah, right. It is. I'd, I've got some Zigbee motion sensors, which were terrible. They would give me lots of false um, false trips. It is something that I'd probably like to do as a more of a presence in the house sensor rather than turning lights on and off. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually have any lights that I would – or maybe like a lamp in a couple of rooms I'd turn on when you walked in, but yeah, I'd, I'd use it for a whole house presence rather than a turn a light on. Yeah, right. Nah, like I um, it's one of my favorite things. Like I've always said, like you know, just walking around the house, lights follow you around. Um, and the the new presence, like uh, you know those radar sensors that they've got, like the Xiaomi FP1, FP2 that's coming out, 
um, yeah. how quickly they can turn lights off, right? Like you can literally walk into a room, like it would be like walking down the hallway between, once you leave the hallway, bam, the lights are off. Yeah, um, I, I need to get one of those to play around with it, I think. Yeah. I've heard a lot yeah. about them and they sound really good. Um, also good for if you leave the TV on. So, you know, if you're sitting on the couch, someone leaves the TV on, they leave the leave the room, yeah. and says, all right, no one's actually in the living room now, no one's watching the TV, I'll just turn the TV off. Because um, my daughter has a habit for just, I can't bore with the TV down, run away, and then TV's on for hours. So <laughs> could at least automate that. Yeah. Hey, everyone. I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy Video Lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy Video Lock, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. I was going to say, you even get the uh, like little, I forget the model of it, but they're little cheap little uh, present sensors, right? They just look like the, uh, they look like a, I don't know, like a tiny square um, that comes off of a, off of a board. I'll, I'll have to find it and we can link it in the show notes too. But uh, essentially those are BLE uh, oh, the Bluetooth ones, they, yes. Yeah. yeah, and they tie into uh, BLE Proxy. And I know uh, at one point, Paulus, was, he had one and, and he was showing us on the creator's call. And it actually worked pretty well um, in terms of, um, you know, like how it's, like just as long as it's positioned properly, you'll you'll catch whoever you're trying to, or wh- wherever you're trying to get, right? And I think they were like five bucks or something, like five mm. or 10 bucks. So it's like fairly, fairly inexpensive too, right? So. Yeah, the uh, it is on the to do list, along yeah. with a lot of other things. <laughs> I bet, I as, bet. As you, and you're mentioning proxies like that's still on my to do list. I've got a, I've got some ASP Home, you know, things dotted around mostly for, um, the, mm-hmm. you know, the classic MyFlora plant sensors and a yeah. couple of Bluetooth trackers that I use, and they're still not set up on proxies or anything like that. It's it's something I do need to do. It just. Yeah, I haven't got around to doing it yet. <laughs> I don't blame. You. I, I, I personally, I love the BLE proxy. I've been using it for a bunch of stuff, right? So, oh, the like the concept uh, of it is so good, and and mm-hmm, seeing what yeah. people are doing with it, like it, it, it's definitely really good. It is, it is something yeah. I need to transition towards. But yeah, it's 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 really cool. Stuff just shows up, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. I've <laughs> I guess I own this, right? And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it works out really nicely. Like. Even I got my blinds that are BLE based, the the Miflora sensors and the plants and stuff like that. They just pop in. I feel like I just get like bombarded with all these BLE devices in my home assistant Mm. wanting to link in. I feel like it would be a constant, like everything seems to have Bluetooth in it now. Yeah, yeah. It's, 
not that that part's not uh, the best, but it's uh, again, I, I just ignore a lot of the stuff, right? So when you when you just hit like because uh, all of a sudden I started seeing um, BLE beacons. Right. So yeah. just every time somebody walked by the house, it was like a hey, new device. Right. And uh, so that uh, that I got, uh, I just ignored that entire side of it. It's not something I cared for. So. All right. So I want to hear about your favorite automation that you've done. Mm-hmm. What do you think? What would it be? Um, I've got a little list here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like lists. Yeah. My favorite would be, this is awfully practical. So when in the afternoons in summer, so we get, we cop a bit of Western sun. And so if five o'clock, I get a notification if my kids' rooms are above a certain temperature, like 25 mm-hmm. degrees, whatever it is, yeah. the actionable notification. So I can click, you know, do you want to turn the air conditioner on? Yes or no. And you click that, it, um, it looks if the, the the state of the air conditioner, if the air conditioner is already running and the rooms aren't like that zone's not on, then it just yeah. turns the zone on. Mm-hmm. If the air conditioner is not running, then it um, then turns you know, the air conditioner on and just puts that zone on, and then waits yeah. for a period of time until the rooms get to a certain temperature and turn it turns the air conditioner back off. Unless yeah. the unless the air conditioner was already running, then it just turns the zone off. But also if you've if the air conditioner wasn't running and it only turned their zone on, but then while, you know, while the time delay was happening till, you know, for two hours or whatever, and I turned on a different zone, then it would only turn their zone off. It wouldn't actually turn the air conditioner back off. It sounds like a, I don't know, it's a very convoluted way of keeping yeah. the kids' rooms cool, but it's something that, you know, just can't be done with, anything else yeah you know with a, yeah. a fairly like it's a smart air conditioner but it's fairly dumb you, that doesn't have individual room temperature monitoring in it and you know a couple of zigbee sensors in there and your phone and you know yeah problem solved like for something very simple because it it is um a bit problematic if you forget to put the air conditioner on and it's too late and the mm. rooms don't cool down in time for the kids to have a you know decent sleep yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's probably my favorite one, but then I've got another one which I, I uh, came about Go after it. I had a little uh, hiccup with a car and a garage and a bike. Um, <laughs> oh, <Uh-oh. laughs> yeah. So now I've got a um, a Bluetooth tracker on mm-hmm. my bike mount, <laughs> my cart, like yeah. my bike rack for the car. And so yeah. when the, the bike rack's not at home, the assumption is that it's on the top of my car. Yeah, uh, and when I get home, I get a critical notification: "Do not enter the garage." <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and then if I forget that, I uh, when the garage door opens, and yeah. it, this this one false triggers a little bit, but I'd take a false trigger over no trigger. But yeah. when the garage door opens and the bike's on the roof, and I think I've got to be in automotive mode, my phone's got to be in automotive mode or something. I can't quite remember. It, yeah. Um, it also sends me a critical notification to remind me not to drive into the garage. Oh, expensive yeah. exercise. So, yes. um, but so the, the rack to, so this is to mount the bike to the car, I'm guessing. Yes. Yeah. 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 So what sort of Bluetooth track have you put on it? Um, 
Oh, oh, honestly, I couldn't tell you. One with a very large battery in it. Very, <laughs> very strange. Like, it's, uh, you know, you have your normal 2032s. It's, yeah, yeah. It's about 50% the diameter, and it's about, I think it's like, oh, it's like 15 mils thick or something. It's this massive no, button yeah, battery. Yeah, oh, right. wow. It's just some cheap thing off, um, off, um, AliExpress or something. Yeah. I don't actually I don't actually know. And how does that integrate with Home Assistant? Like how does Home ESP Home? Uh, brilliant. Um, so it, it, again, talking about proxies, I'm still not using mm, the proxy yeah. for it. Um, but it's just set up um, to uh, I think just off its connected or disconnected status or its home away status, I can't yeah. quite remember. Um, yeah. it then toggles a um a input Yep. like an input helper, some description to, to give you like uh, the bike on roof mm, is great. kind of the, what I've called it. So if, if the bike's on the roof, then I'm fire my automations in various ways. Yeah, nice. Because I, um, yeah, I've, I've got some tile um, Bluetooth trackers and I've been able to integrate them with Room Assistant. Um, it's a similar thing, right? So I put um, a tile in my daughter's uh, change bag. So whenever she goes out, we always take her change bag with her. So now I know my daughter's home away because we don't have a phone to track her with. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm considering one for my bike um, just so that when I go for a ride on the bike, it would be nice for the house to know that I've gone for a bike ride so that when I get home, I can you know trigger an automation, maybe open the garage when we pull up in the driveway or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've, I've, I've got, um, air, I run air tag. I don't know if you can use air tags and you probably can't into home assistant, but um, I've got them on bikes, but that's, purely for a, a, give you a remote chance of finding yeah. them again if they ever went walkabouts. That's true, Not, to, yeah. not yeah. to say that's a guarantee, but... Better than nothing, right? Yeah, yeah better than always, nothing. Yeah. But, and I did, I looked at Room Assistant a long time ago. It's probably something, again, I need to revisit, but, like, I haven't seen the the result, like the, the use case of me knowing where, sorry, the house knowing where I am, you know, yeah. within the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I only have one instance of room assistant, and that's, like, for me, it covers the whole house, right? Um, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not a believer in carrying your phone around to detect which room you're in all the time because I leave my phone on the couch and walk into another room, right? So, yeah. Um, always, yeah, thought, meh. Yeah, I, th- I think someone, again, on your show a long time ago talked about having, like, your um, music follow you around in the house. Yeah, that's and me. Yeah. 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 And I just, um, and I was like, oh, that'd be really cool. And then I'm like, oh, I can just have it on in the whole house and I'll just walk just around. Just have it, yeah, playing everywhere. Yeah. And then you yeah. go, I go out and I've got, you know, I've, we've got some speakers outside and some in the garage and I walk, you know, walk outside after dark. I'm like, oh, they're still playing the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Whoops. yeah. That, that's all right until something embarrassing in your playlist comes playing comes and your on. neighbors get to hear it. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's usually not that loud, so the neighbors shouldn't hear it. But. Yeah. That's funny. So speaking of uh, speaking of uh, presence and stuff, like uh, you, you know, you clearly use Billy tags for a couple of things, right? Do you do anything else uh, from a presence perspective? Nah, like present the house presence is basically zero. I've got a toggle, yeah, um, like an away mode toggle that um, I will, you know, ma- literally manually toggle, or or I have another, yeah. I have another toggle which then toggles it, um, so I can say like when my phone leaves, enable um, away mode, 
So, you know, you're packing the car, you think, oh, I need a turn away mode on. Mm. And so I don't want to turn it on yet, but I'll turn it on when we leave. So when, when my phone leaves, it, um, it toggles off. And when it arrives back, it, it turns, sorry, it turns on and then turns off whichever way around. Yeah. 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 So you just yeah, use the companion app for for all that. Yeah, companion app. Yeah, exclusively Perfect. a companion app for that. And yeah, it. Yeah, I really would like to be able to um, automate that a little bit more, but it's probably there's a fair bit of effort there. I think on my side. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. it's still good. Like so, when the away mode toggles, uh, when away mode toggles on. Um, like I turn all the fans off. I send the vacuum cleaners back to the dock. Um, I think there's a couple of other things. Might pause the music and turn TVs off. Like it just kind of blasts everything out to say, just to shut the house down basically. Yeah. Um, and then while that, while that toggle is on and away mode is on, then it'll fire automation slightly differently um, during the day. So it'll, it'll close the blinds, you know, or the, the Western blinds in the afternoon Um It'll only turn some lights on. It won't let fans turn on automatically. It won't, you know, it won't let a few things happen automatically. It'll allow other things just as a trying not to, you know, have the house running while you're away. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not that, like most of the things, things don't generally consume that much power, but it is, you know, when you're away for a week and lights are on for no reason, it's especially in the evening when not producing any solar, it is a bit of a, it's just a waste of money. So on the solar, um, what in your original email you had uh, as one of your ambitions to work on was um, the ability to set up the solar forecast to determine whether to charge the car. Did you ever get to that level? No. Solar forecast doesn't cover the east coast of Australia. And of course um, it doesn't. Right? So, it probably covers every part of the US. And Yeah, so I yeah. probably need to look at it again. But, yeah, the the like the official solar forecast integration, I was going mm-hmm. to set it up and, you know, put my location in. I was like, map doesn't work. Yeah. Like, ah, that's, um, of course. That's less than ideal. So now I just set the car up to charge. It just charges uh, yep. twice a week, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it keep it pretty basic. Charge it on a, on a Sunday night and charge it on a yeah, – like a Tuesday or Wednesday night or something like that, and it sees me through the week if I've worked from home and it's got a bit of extra charge. It's from solar, then it's a bit of a win. But I need to look at the stats on how much I charge from solar. So I've got a um, my energy Zappy, which is a solar aware mm-hmm. charger for my mm-hmm. for my car, and it definitely charges my car less than probably what I would have thought it would have. Oh, interesting! Um, interesting. Because so we've got six a six kilowatt inverter, you mm-hmm. know this house draws, you know can draw between three hundred and four hundred watts idle, like that's completely idle. Yeah. So by the time you have a couple of TVs on and a few mm-hmm. things happening during the day, you can be drawing yeah. over a kilowatt pretty quickly. And so all of a sudden you've only got five kilowatts left to charge your car, and that's peak. That's not at nine in the morning. At nine mm-hmm. in the morning you've only got, you know. Two kilowatts to charge your car, except so you're only producing three kilowatts, I should say. But then you've got the dishwasher going, and you've got the washing machine going. So all of a sudden, you've got you know you need a minimum of one point four kilowatts to charge a car. Yep. And sometimes you don't have that. So yeah, that's it's, very interesting. Yeah. And, and so that little device there, so that um, doesn't integrate with home. This isn't. It just runs independently. 
and does it, its own calculations. Yeah, it's, how it, much. It run, it's got its own um, own CT clamps on the incomers coming into the house. It runs yep. fully fully standalone, but doesn't okay. need an internet connection or anything. It just yeah, runs correct. all by itself. Um, and I interface with it in Home Assistant. I see mm-hmm. data and stuff out of it, but I, I don't. Um, it, it doesn't need Home Assistant to do its charging of the car yeah, in a yeah, smart yeah. way. So there was. Yeah. I, I did initially look at getting a Gen two Tesla charger, and you can run a Raspberry Pi to piggyback off that to adjust charge rates. And it was a bit, um, a little bit hairy, you know, modifying yeah. a <laughs> modifying yeah. car charger basically and needing to, then you'd be solely reliant on, on home assistant to adjust charge rates. And I just thought, no, yeah. it's not, it's not, not there, was, it. there was a cost saving there, but it just wasn't worth it. So yeah. Yeah. I went away Definitely. from it. But. Um, and so have you got like full energy, dashboard in home assistant setup like you're able to see how much solar you're producing how much energy you're consuming no i, I don't use the energy dashboard i, I don't mm-hmm. really like the layout of it, it just doesn't yep. read very well for me um it's something i do need to work on is my um my lovelace layouts a little bit more because at the moment yeah. i basically just have a graph that has um you know the house consumption solar output um, if I'm exporting power and how much your car's charging. So I've got four graphs on top of one just on a standard card. So every time yeah. I want to actually see any details and it's over 12 hours or something. Mm. So when I want to see some actual details, I need to start clicking things to make it legible. Not even I'm not even talking yeah. about it, making it look nice, just making it legible. So I need to work on that. Well, I mean, realistically, do you use your, do you use the UI a lot or is it just kind of a, uh, one-off, like, hey, I need to change something or do something like that. What was that using the UI, did you say? Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. Um, for, like, a lot of that stuff, I've got, a, a like, my own car, like, own Ludlace. Um, I've got mm-hmm. the word for it. Anyway, thing Dashboard? set up just for me that like, my wife doesn't have access to, which has yeah. just got a whole heap of, like, testing pages and information yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And the, the solar side of thing just sits in there, and I look at it. Out of interest, you know, when we you start talking with mates about solar production, and obviously people are very curious about my car, First. so I, I yeah, pull yeah, out yeah. a couple of stats. But in reality, yeah, I'd, like I don't look at it that much. I've actually just set up a um, I've just got a ink plate ten, and so yeah. I'm setting up home plate on that. I've seen a little couple of projects floating around, so the home plate project. So when I want to have a little mini um, dashboard set up. Um, probably in the pantry with a couple of things it, it it won't have anything to do with a car it'll probably have you know um house consumption for the day and total mm-hmm. export for the day for solar um but you could probably do energy put into the car for the day maybe yeah a few little things like that little project i want to work on to actually nice. have an actual ui interface there that is yeah, yeah. visible to you know visible to every, any, everyone rather than having to get out and look at your phone. I get a bit yeah, a little bit sick of looking at a phone. Have you done any <laughs> automations for based around like if you're producing solar or not? Like um, I have one. I thought I was mm. going to have lots, and I have one. Oh right, <laughs> and it's a token gesture. I can. Um, <laughs> I've awesome. got um, some electric, like power tools, garden tools. Yep. So I can, 
once I'm done for the day, you know, mowing the lawn or whatever, I can mm. put the batteries on charge and not actually charge them straight away. I can um, set them so they wait for enough solar to be exporting them, then they'll start and charge off oh, solar. Right. But, yep. you know, 15 minutes later they're charged and they kick themselves back out. So it's a l- it's not a huge cost-saving yeah. exercise. It's a real yeah, nice yeah. to have that doesn't actually add really any value at all. Yeah. Yes, like yeah. sometimes, sometimes it's fun, right? Yeah, it's definitely a fun thing, and yeah. it's it's and it is useful. Like you're still every bit of energy is you know save pushing yes. out on the grid. Like and like it's the Australian energy markets in a bit of turmoil mm-hmm. with um like mm-hmm. solar production during the day. So if you can help out a little bit there, it's good. But in reality, charging you know two five amp hour batteries is completely insignificant compared to, you know, a, a car that can pull 7.4 kilowatts and an air conditioner that can pull six, you know, an yeah. oven that can pull 2.4. Um, yeah, yeah. This, our house can, I've seen peaks of 12 kilowatts coming in on this house. Like it's mm. pretty significant in comparison to, you know, leaving, yeah. a, uh, you know, a nine watt downlight on for an extra 15 minutes is... That makes sense. All right, so I want to go into something else that you had in your to be worked on list. Let's see if you got to this. Um, roller blinds. How did you go with roller blinds? Did you get them automated? Uh, short answer to that, yes. Long answer Ooh, to nice. the how did you go? Not so well. Um, <laughs> okay. So we've without knowing what I even had at that time. So we've got um, a uh, how many have we got? One, two. Six. I've got six roller blinds in the house okay. mm-hmm. um, with a mixture of Sunfi motors and Rollies Automate with a Pulse 2 hub. Yeah. Um, the Sunfi ones, we've got a big like external roller shutter for a, mm-hmm. for a staircase window and it just that does its thing. But um, I wanted to go down the um, – Rollies path because our blinds that we actually had installed were completely by chance. They're actually Rollies branded blinds, oh, which that's is lucky. A, oh, nice. yeah. a weird coincidence. Yeah. But they have um, they run their own like hub with the proprietary um, communication protocol that does mm-hmm. two way communication, so you can get battery status back, nice. and you can yep. also cool. um set the blind to a percentage open rather than in the like the Sunfi ones are just you know up down or a saved position so I wanted to be able to set them anywhere in between and like when they work they work really well um the range on it is you're talking you know the spec sheet says the range is like you know 30 feet or 10 meters or whatever and in reality the range is about three meters Mm. so I had to get an extra that set of um an extra hub and a few other things which is a bit annoying but it's good when the um when they call to close so i run a um a helper you know with the blinds preferred position for the for at any given time and so my automations will just toggle with that um helper and so when they go to close if the window is open they won't actually close the whole way they'll close to um, yeah. Well, they're close to sixty-six percent open. Um, so yeah. you can, you, as soon as you look at the blind, you think, "Oh, why is that down?" Oh, it's 
supposed to the be windows are open. It's yeah. supposed to be closed. A window open. You close the window, and which then you know, fires an automation to then close the blind entirely. Yep. Which is really good because without that, you know, leaving blinds open, they're a fully cassetted roller blinds that actually have a track on either side. If you shut the roller blind with a window open, it just um, blows the blind out of the track and you've got to oh, kind wow. of push it back in. It's not the end of the world, but you just have to push it back in. So yeah, being able sure. to prevent the blind from closing with a you know a $12 window sensor is, yeah. is awesome. Absolutely yeah. awesome. I've got roller blinds that um, don't have the tracks on the side. And so if the window's open um, and the blinds come down, they just flap with the wind, right? Yeah. And it's just frustrating. Yeah, so and that would annoy me as well. So I'd yeah. say, even if they weren't fully cassetted, I'd I'd um I'd still do something similar to this. It's yeah. like to me, this is like the main perk of Home Assistant. Like you can't, mm, yeah. Like no, no um blind motor manufacturer has window sensors that limit the ability to close no. depending on states to then close blinds when you actually close a window like that doesn't exist anywhere yeah. like, even when you start talking about you know going down into the google and amazon and apple ecosystems like that still doesn't work like you yeah yeah you, you can't you can't beat home assistant for doing something like that it's not like a – and it's not overly complex. Like you – it's a Zigbee, you know, USB stick and a couple of really cheap sensors. Perfect. Yeah. Exactly. That's like um, – yeah. yeah. That's like – that's the most amazing part about Home Assistant to me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the ability to, yeah, like integrate all these little different ecosystems is – it's selling point and, yeah, no one's been able to, like, beat that ability yet. No. No, not uh, and I, not that I've looked actually, to be honest. But yeah, none of the none of the main players, as in like the, mm, the major ecosystems, exactly. have come close to it. Like maybe well, and, and there even are some if other they ones, did, but... it's it's going to be pricey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, so, oh yeah, very definitely, it's going to be pricey. Like yeah. even you, you look at any you know, it's a simple read switch, like the door window acquire sensors that I'm sure everyone that listens yeah. to this has got a, you know, a whole stack of them yeah. to go and get a, you know, a brand name one from that says, you know, mm-hmm. works with Amazon or works with Google or works with HomeKit. Like you, they're not 10 bucks, they're, they're 50 bucks mm-hmm. each. Yeah. And when you've got a dozen of them in the house, it's all of a sudden it's, a, you know, <laughs> it's a massive you, financial burden. So, yeah. How did you go with yeah. your uh, luck sensor for the roller blinds outside? Any luck? Yes, really good, actually. So I've got a um, – I was trying to work out how to close that, um, like the main roller blind, mm-hmm. yeah. so the main roller shutter or now um, staircase window in the afternoons when the sun hits it. And yeah. I'd started using, you know, the angle of the sun and, mm. you know, time of day and all this kind of stuff and it just wasn't that reliable. Um, yeah. As the seasons changed, it wasn't really mm. that reliable. It would start closing at odd times. So I ended up just getting a, a luck sensor, probably Acquire branded again probably, <laughs> um, yeah. and mounting it outside, you know, in a little enclosure to try yeah. and keep the water out yeah. of it and yeah. – um, did a, had to do a little bit of fine tuning with it just to work out like what thirty thousand lux is or whatever it is. Mm. Like, I, but um, 
it works really well. So basically now the if when it reaches some arbitrary value, twenty five thousand lux, which mm. you know aligns with basically the being in full sun, yeah. um, and the forecast temperature for the day is above um, like twenty eight degrees. It, yep. Um, also, it's, there's a couple of different levels, but yeah, it basically just closes the blind when the sun comes onto it. Like it's it's amazing. So I'll come home in summer, and some days it'll be half closed, and other days it'll be fully shut. Yeah, the house great. is like massively cooler for it. Like the window that it covers is a is three meters high by one point two meters wide. So mm. it, it, you know, without that roller blind on there, it lets in like a phenomenal amount of heat. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's um help. You know, it just helps the air conditioner cool the house down in the afternoons a bit quicker. I've been able to use a weather station outside. Um, that integrates with home. This isn't just like an eco wit, which I got off Amazon. Um, and similar thing, right? Like I use the uh, luck sensor Oop, from the weather him. station. So the whole house knows, right? It's bright outside. So I can close these blinds. Then I use, you know, like if it's in the afternoons on the west side of the house, close the blinds. Um, and then it's based on the, um, because the weather station is like using my data, right? It's not like, you know, bomb weather stations ages away. Um, so, yeah, it can tell me like what it feels like, the temperature feels like outside, and then if it's a certain temperature outside or it's um, the right lux level, it'll close the blinds down um, and do all that sort of fancy stuff. Yeah, so you, Actually, you're, no. you're still going through it, you know, in much the same way as, yep. you know, the temperature of the day, how bright it is and exactly. and mm-hmm. close the blinds. And, and so then I've expanded that out to all the, the Western blinds that are, that have automated go on the same thing. They'll shut in the afternoons and it, like it, it makes a massive difference in this house. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's it's. I've actually not thought, to, I don't know why, I didn't think to use Lux as part of the, a calculation of even keeping it open and closed, right? Right now I actually have my, I have my blinds going just pretty much on and off. Like the, the at least in the winter when I got, when I, when I automated these blinds, it wasn't, uh, again, losing, cooling the house down wasn't the issue, right? It's, uh, for me, but when I, when I, uh, I do have it running with my, uh, good evening, uh, script or whatever. Right. So mm-hmm. as part of that, as part of that automation, I have that triggering about 45 minutes before sunset. So again, just keep the house a little brighter before it, it uh, comes down, but then the blinds do close with that. So that's actually not a bad, instead of leveraging that leverage Lux. Cause then at that point, if it's just super dark outside, then, then close the blinds anyways. And, uh, or, or in the, on the converse, if it's nice and bright outside, keep it open for as long as you can and then close it after. So that's a pretty good, uh, metric actually yeah I, I still need to um utilize lux a little bit more as well like the um some of the when the lights come on in the evening so they come on mm-hmm. um uh, say at sunset or 20 minutes after sunset or 20 mm-hmm. minutes before sunset whatever it is but i have another automation that if it's cloudy or raining mm-hmm. then yeah. they come on like an hour before sunset Mm. I can't exactly remember what it is, but in reality, like I really just need to do a 
you know, go off Lux. Lux would be so. far more reliable than, yeah. than, you know, is it is it cloudy or partly cloudy? And that's like yeah. the difference between my lights coming on an hour earlier or not. And so some days it's like it says it's partly cloudy and you're like, no, nah, it's pretty cloudy out there. Like it's pretty dark. <laughs> you should come on. Well, it's also a lot of it's just approximations, right? So it's like it should be cloudy. It doesn't mean yeah. it's cloudy. Right? So... Yeah, the worst thing is it like can you be the opposite, partly cloudy, and you're like, I can't see a cloud up there. Like, what are you talking about? Where is this cloud? And yeah, well, that's like part, partly cloudy covers like a, you know, there's a big range of partly yeah. cloudy. It can be like a little bit cloudy with a lot of sun, or it can be a lot cloudy with a little bit of sun. And they, you know, inside your house, there's a massive difference there with how much light actually gets let in. Yeah, sure. I'll put it put it on the to do list. All right. Um, finally, before we let you go, because um, I am interested in this one, um, water tank level. Did you? I oh, were able to get that. Um, sorry, finish your question. Sorry, no, we were able to get that like done. You said you were going to do a pressure sensor. Yeah, um, I've got the pressure mm-hmm. sensor, um, and I've got a a Shelly Uno mm-hmm. okay. and a. Step down like a DC DC step down converter because I should have bought a twelve volt sensor, not a five volt sensor. And I bought it. Oh, I can't even remember what I did. It was that long yeah. ago. Um, and then my next, well, one of my many problems is that I thought it was a quarter inch MPT. It's actually an eighth MPT. So my reducing nipple is the wrong size, so I can't even fit it. But yeah, I was hoping to set up a pressure sensor on the water tank. Rather than using a lot of people use ultrasonics, and yeah, a lot of people yeah. say that ultrasonics is extremely unreliable. And we've got a drain, like a, a um, inch drain valve on the bottom of the tank. It's only a relatively small tank, and this it'd be a nice to have um, to know. Um, but I do need to do that. I've got so all yeah, because my, my question here was like, so you've got you, know, you said I'm going to do a pressure sensor at the bottom of the tank. I'm like, okay, so what, are you lifting up this tank and then putting like a weight sensor? Underneath it, or no? Like, so it's, what is this going to do? It's a like a pressure transmitter. So you just uh, like a threaded pressure transmitter. That just does okay. a. It's like a. Um, it's a really low range. It's like a zero to five psi. Yep. Um, zero to ten volt sensor, and so I was just going to do a calculation. You know, um, there'd be some minimum water level in there that would give you a pressure and. The maximum water level in there is about one and a half meters, so that would give you another pressure and just do a zero to one hundred percent. It means I can just monitor, it. like so, we water the garden from that tank. Yep. Um, it means I can just keep an eye on it, and if it's if it's not filling, or if it's not draining, or if it's yeah, you know, it just just gives me some visibility on it. We have, I have an issue with our little pump in there; it's got a like a submersible pump mm-hmm. when it runs out. Um. When the tank runs dry, it auto switch o- switches over to mains water. But I haven't actually worked out when it auto resets itself to actually turn the pump back on. So right. I've gone out there a few times and been like, this pump should be running now and it's not. And the tank's been full, so I actually have to hit the reset button physically on the device. So if I could set up an automation to say, you know, the tank's been at 0% or it's been at 5% or whatever, and now it's come back up to 50%, then you probably need to push the reset button and just get a notification, you know, reset, push the yeah. reset button. Or even then I could get like a little switch bot out there and the Bluetooth proxy and That's it. auto fire it off the uh, yeah, off yeah, automation. Yeah. That would be the goal, but uh, maybe one day. 
maybe when so you, yeah and so do you think that'll be more reliable than a ultrasonic sensor to say how much water oh, is yeah, in there oh yeah 100% yeah very yep. definitely ultrasonic sir um yeah direct pressure measurement using whatever technology it is yeah mm. far more reliable than ultrasonic sensor yeah you wouldn't mm. you wouldn't see that in the industry like in indus- industry would rely on pressure sensor pressure. Okay. yeah yeah okay because yeah i've got like a water tank out the back too i'm like all right i want to i don't know how much water's in there i don't know how long the water's been in the tank like since we moved in i don't even know if water is actually getting into the tank like from the gutters like there is water in the tank i want to know what how much is in there right um, so yeah. i actually had a, a friend because it's like water can be extremely damaging to a, the foundation of a house obviously and he, mm, yeah. he, he bought a um he bought a house that was fairly recently built um a few blocks from from where i am and um, he noticed that his tank was never filling. And he's going, oh, this is a bit strange. And he's actually worked out that he's got a cracked, um, charged line somewhere Ooh. under his garage. And so it was actually washing away a whole heap of material under his driveway. Oh, and it's turned oh. into like, yeah, yeah, it's turned into like a real major, like a proper major problem, like a stru- yeah. proper structural problem. So hopefully that he's got sucks. that sorted. I need to ask him about <laughs> it, actually. <laughs> yeah. That's something you don't want to wait on. Like, you know, Absolutely. definitely not. That's, not saying yeah, that home assist that home assistant would detect something like that, but it at least to give you a little bit of visibility. You know, oh, we've had, you know, we yeah. get a lot of rain here. Look, you know, yeah. we've had fifty mils of rain in a day, and my tank hasn't gone up at well, all. Exactly, There's right. a problem. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to know that. Well, I mean, that's just you- as easy as having a graph mapping the rain to what you've actually an increase mm. in your tank, right? So, yeah, you. Oh, that'd be, actually, that'd be interesting. I'd be able to work out how much water comes off my roof, you know, per yeah. millimeter of rain. Think, well, yeah. my weather station tells me how much rain is currently happening. So then I could do a, a all right, if I'm getting this amount of rain in the hour, then I should have the tank fill up. Yeah, but, but the but tank should fill a certain amount far yeah. out. That's, um, I'm, I'm not going to get there, just nah. putting it out there. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> Definitely plausible though. Like you could a hundred percent, you could have a rain gauge and you could determine how much, you know, you have 10 mils of rain. My tank should increase by, you know, sure. 20% capacity. If it hasn't, then alarm. Like that's well within the realms of home assistant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, which yeah. is a little bit ridiculous that, you know, that, that, it, that it's capable of something like that. It's far fetched idea that probably doesn't add a huge amount of value, but anyway. But so there would be someone out there that may find value in it and they could do it and, Hamilton allows them to do it, right? Yeah, and someone else right. do it first so I can, you know, copy and <laughs> Just paste copy the their code. code. Yeah. <laughs> Dump it into a blueprint and off you go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, blueprint. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. So <clears throat> one one Good last luck. one. I know Phil said the last one was the last mm-hmm. one, but um, you talked about uh, using an ESP8266 plugged into your TV um, to check the TV state. Yeah. This so, I, I love this thing. Honestly, it's yeah. the best. I've, so I've got a LG TV um, that's um, not WebOS. Yeah, WebOS uh, five, maybe. Okay, it's old. Okay. Like it is. It is. Oh, so it won't integrate with Home Assistant yeah. then. It, uh, yeah, no, it does actually. Yeah, oh, it integrates okay. with Home Assistant. It, it must have been one of like the first on it. It's like a forty-two inch TV that yeah. we bought yeah. eight years ago, and it still works. Um, it integrates with Home Assistant, but it it's really really slow to start. Like you're talking about a minute before it, you know, it actually oh. fires up and and you get a status from from Home Assistant. Yeah. Um. And what I use 
for that status is I'll turn the music off that's in the, yeah. the lounge room. So I'll turn my Sonos off once that turns on and the Sonos turns off. And so I'm sitting there, it just annoys me, you know, for a minute you've got music blaring and the TV going, you know, just yeah. wait, it'll turn itself off automatically. Just wait, <laughs> wait, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I don't know where I came up with the idea. I think I'll probably stole it from someone, but um, just put a little, yeah, 8266 into one of the USB ports and yeah. um, those USB ports fire up instantly. It connects to Wi-Fi within like 10 seconds. It, yeah, um, instant, yeah. it says connected and turns it off. It's yeah, super, It has been super reliable apart from, um, was it 2023.4 seemed to have, I'm not sure what happened. I actually, you know, an hour ago, I actually reflashed it. So hopefully it works tomorrow mm. morning. There's something going on with it. Yeah. But we actually, I've, Ended up, I had a Samsung TV that integrated really well, and it um, ended up having a warranty replacement. Ended up with a, a um, Hisense TV, and they don't integrate very well yeah. with Home Assistant. And I was yeah. like, "Oh, this will be perfect. <laughs> I'll just put a ESP eighty two sixty six in the USB yeah. port. This is fine. Like, how this is super easy. Like, oh, no. this is amazing." Yeah. And they turn their USB ports on randomly when the TV's off. Oh, no. Yeah, so like... Why? Just like overnight, like I'll check the logs and like overnight it turns these USB ports on like six times overnight just randomly. So, I was like, oh, no. So, I had to... What's the logic? Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. But I, I ripped it out and then had to set up. Sorry, you're getting a very long answer to your question, Ryan, <laughs> but... No, no, I had it's, to, it's I had to then set up. So I don't use no red except yeah. for for oh, there's a Spotify integration thing that I use. That's another story. Um, but I end up having to set up an MP, MQTT mm-hmm. server within Node Red, no MQTT client within Node yeah. Red to then speak to the high sense runner MQTT MQTT uh-huh. server in the TV, so I can you know pass commands off to it, um, to the TV. And I can also get the state back from the TV. I was like, oh, this would be perfect. I can get the state over MQTT. Yeah, like yeah. this is this is just amazing. And what it sends back when you turn the TV on isn't actually a turn on signal. It gives you a turn off. It turns off really reliably, but it doesn't turn on reliably. Like as in you don't see the state change that it turned mm-hmm. on. I, I never worked it out. So, <laughs> you just put a smart switch on it and get like energy level. Like, yeah, so I've thought about doing that, but to do that, I've got yeah. to take the TV off the wall because it's wall mounted and it's a uh, 75 okay. inch screen. So, it's like a three person job. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. what I do do though is when Sonos turns to, I've got a Sonos beam, and when it mm. turns to mm-hmm. its input to TV, then that triggers an input pull right. to say, oh, the, you know, the TV is on because the Sonos is. Turned yeah, on. And then yeah. when the TV turns off the MQTT, you know, that ping back through node red actually turns the turns it back off. So it's a long way around of getting the TV state. But yeah, energy would have been far easier if I'd put a yeah. plug in um, yeah. before I put the TV on the wall. Does the Sonos beam when you turn the TV off, um, will the Sonos beam then change its input to like no input? Because I think I've got uh, a play bar and I think it remains on the TV it, input. Yeah, it stays on the TV for like five or ten minutes gotcha. um, and before mm-hmm. it, it changes its state to, you know, whatever it changes yeah. to, I'm not quite sure. So, yeah, so my automation does fail there if um, if you turn the TV off and then turn it back on again. Yeah. 
Because that TV right. talks to the light, or well, the light that's behind me, it talks to that, and the blind in the room and stuff. But I also use, I've got an Nvidia Shield and a like, PS5 as well. So yeah. those turning on, there's multiple ways to turn that input bill bullion on. If the Shield turns on, or if the PS5 turns on, or the TV turns on, you yep. just assume that the TV is on. It's oh, sorry, the Sonos. Oh, I've forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> There's, I've, honestly, there are that many automations. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes, funny. yeah, if someone asks, you know, oh, how does your, what, what's this, your favorite thing in your smartphone? You're like, oh, I don't uh, know where to start. I don't know. Like, how yeah. does this work? I think uh, it works like this. And then yeah. after they leave, you're like, how does that actually work? Yeah. And you, you, know, you scroll through and you're like, oh, no, I just lied to them. That's not, exa- no, that's not how it works at all. That's, yeah. Cool. Um, well, well, yeah, thank you for taking time talking to us and, um, yeah, really appreciate it. Yeah, Cheers. no, appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rohan Karamandi. For links to topics we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io.